0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash SlashFilm. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to slash Film Daily. For March 2nd, 2018, on today's show, we're going to be diving into a bunch of news, including uh, the latest on the Fox Disney deal, 26 new releases announced by the Walt Disney Company, uh, Star Wars Episode Nine speculation, S- Stranger Things casting for Season 3, Greta Gerwig in the future of MoviePass, and we'll also be talking about some stuff at the water cooler as well. This is Slash home Editor-in-Chief Peter Serata. and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Slash home Writer's y Tran Buoy.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista.
2: Hello.
1: Okay, guys, before we get started, uh, let's gather by the virtual water cooler to talk about what we've been up to uh HT I saw on your Instagram that you went to uh Japan
2: <laughs> I almost did so I was at a cherry blossom themed pop-up bar that also happened to be uh home to Godzilla and a Japanese alleyway bar it was really cool it was um In honor of the Cherry Blossom Festival that happens in DC every year in the spring. And it's the same pop up bar that actually did the Game of Thrones and Stranger Things pop up bars that went viral last year and the year before. And they went all out again this year. This time, they, uh, in addition to having an area that was, uh, that replicated the cherry blossom trees, they decided to go all out in their. Japanese appreciation and have a room dedicated to uh, the 1960s Godzilla movie uh, God, or Gojira and uh, also have a, one section of the bar that I was identical to uh, like the alleyway bars that you can find in Tokyo. So it was, it was really amazing. And I had a lot of fun. I took a picture next to Godzilla, which actually breathed smoke and moved at one point. So that was very cool. And uh, there was one bar, there was one area of the bar that was like a wall that was just plastered in um, manga pages. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, wow, this is like a a bar that was made for me.
1: (laughs) uh yeah the pictures are cool um i'm not sure you know how much crossover there are from people listening to this podcast and reading the site but uh people that listen to this podcast might not know but we actually have a weekly column on the site called the water cooler where we write about you know stuff outside of uh the normal movies and tv and you wrote about that in the water Cooler uh this week i wrote about a, a youtube channel that i have uh been diving into a lot lately uh it's this youtube uh, vlogger named chris ramsey and um he's a magician in canada uh but it's not a, a channel just made for magicians although you will get more out of it i think if you are but uh, it, 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 when it's at its best, I think it's when he's going on adventures, traveling the world uh, because of his magic gigs. He's a professional magician and uh, he his interactions with his friends and just hanging out and having fun. And, uh, you know, I talk about that in the water cooler and I link you to his channel. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to our, our weekly water cooler segment and Chris Ramsey, who uh, I am a big fan of. Uh, but let's dive into the news. Uh, first up, uh, Disney is acquiring 20th Century Fox, maybe? Chris, what is going on?
3: Uh, the deal, it's, it's probably still happening, but there's a new complication. And there's a lot of facts and figures which I myself don't even fully understand. You can go read the full story at SlashFilm.com. But the, the gist of it is Comcast uh, wants to buy the UK's, UK satellite TV provider Sky which Fox um, also wants to buy. Fox already owns a portion of that, but due to certain regulations, they can't own all of it. So uh, Comcast buying wanting to buy Sky is going to maybe make the deal less enticing for Disney. Um, This is a direct quote from the original story, which is from the New York Times. Um, Whoever prevails, it will shake up Disney's plans. Either 21st Century Fox will have to pay more for Sky, or Disney will lose a valuable international property to Comcast. For either Comcast or Disney, Sky offers a platform for international expansion. So it's it's just muddying the waters. The the deal is probably still going to happen, but it's not going as smoothly as Disney had hoped.
1: Uh, I'm going to be interested when this actually gets finalized and we actually find out this happening. I I think most people have said it's going to take about a year for, for it to actually go through, uh, get all the regulatory, uh, stuff done. But uh, I'm sure until then, we'll be talking about it here on the podcast and on the site. Uh, but speaking of Disney, yesterday we, we talked about on the podcast them surprising us with a new date for the release of Avengers Infinity War. We recorded the podcast right after we were getting off uh, recording the podcast. Disney decided to announce a bunch of new release dates. Actually, not just a bunch of new release dates. They announced 26 new release dates. Ben, you did a good job. Uh, trying to figure out what's going on here uh, <laughs> on the site. Uh, what is going on here? My God. Uh, I mean, I nearly vomited yesterday when
0: all of this came out because it's so many just like untitled Disney live action, untitled Marvel, untitled Pixar in a row. And it's literally the 26 new release dates from now until 2023. So this is a pretty common practice for studios to, plant their flags in the ground early and, and not, not you know, this sort far of, out.
1: I don't think 2020, well, right, that's yeah, like that's,
0: five years. That's what I was going to say. It's common practice for them to do that for like, yeah, for the next, you know, the, the early foreseeable future. But yeah, that, this is, this seems excessive. And if you go to the article, um, which we'll link to in the show notes, it's I've, I've written out every Disney release date from 2019 all the way until they announced the, the end of this, this new announcement. And it is like, I mean, it's just like scrolling through uh, utter chaos. It's it's really cra- crazy. So they released a bunch of Marvel release dates as well, um, some new ones, and going from May first of 2020 all the way to July 29th of 2022, we speculate on the site about what those uh, films might end up being. Anything from a Ravagers Guardians of the Galaxy spinoff to Black Panther 2 to Doctor Strange 2 and maybe that Black Widow solo movie thrown in there. Um, We are not entirely certain if Lucasfilm releases count among these disney release dates that just came out but we're we're sort of guessing that they are um so i speculated a little bit about maybe an obi-wan kenobi movie could be one of those dates ryan johnson's new trilogy that we've talked about uh one of those entries could be one of these dates i mean it's the the dates are so far away it's so it's borderline impossible to speculate (laughs) Um, about what, what the actual specific dates could be and what movies could be involved. Plus, there are so many that are just untitled Disney live action. And we know that Disney is developing a ton of movies that could fit under that categorization. You know, they've got... Uh, peter pan and jungle cruise and the little mermaid and maleficent 2 and cruella sword in the stone i mean there are just so many like the list goes on and on and on so um it, it would be a fool's errand to attempt to accurately guess exactly which slot each of yeah. those movies is going to drop into but um but yeah you can go uh, to this article and and check out the full calendar of disney release dates and uh yeah, just shudder and cower in fear. That's basically what I did yesterday <laughs> afternoon.
1: And we were just talking about Fox. We don't even know if that you know the future of the Fox films are in this slate of release dates. They could be. Um, I don't
0: think they are. To be honest with you, I think they're they're. I feel like it would be uh, jumping the gun for them to include Fox releases in here. So I think this is all purely well, Disney stuff. So.
1: No no Man, I agree yes. I agree with that but what I'm saying is like you know a year down the line they're just basically planting flags I don't even think you know for some of these movies in 2022 and 2023 they probably even have movies that they like have attached to those dates I think they're just like planting flags in those dates and I think mm. you know those could very well be another X-Men movie you know Oh, right, right. Now. Do you know what I mean like, yeah? Uh, right
0: now they could just be saying it's an untitled Disney live-action movie, and then that could very easily morph into being an X-Men movie. Yeah, I see what you mean.
1: Yeah, because all this is is uh, to exhibitors and other studios, them planting a flag and being like, you know get off my lawn you know i we're gonna have a movie on this weekend Um, yeah i
0: dare you to schedule something (laughs) at the same time
1: yes exactly um but i'm sure in the next five years we'll be covering this and covering out what what movies are coming out in those release dates uh up until 2023 uh, if we're still around um, you might be like getting your movie news on your refrigerator by then. I don't know. Um, but, uh, let's talk, uh, we were talking about Disney. Let's talk about one of their big properties and that is, uh, the franchise of Star Wars. Uh, we have a bunch of Star Wars news today, including, uh, some, a reveal that Star Wars episode nine may re- reveal what Luke's final lesson was to Ray HD. What do we know?
2: So we know in Star Wars: The Last Jedi that Luke had promised Rey he would give her three lessons, no more, no less. Um, but we know that he only got he only got to two before Rey fled Octo Ak- and uh, they uh, ended up parting ways. But According to a deleted scene, we did see part of that third lesson. Uh, We reported on this deleted scene earlier uh, in December, and it was um, the caretaker raid. Or rather, when Ray and Luke see a sort of commotion and lots of fire at the shoreline near the caretaker village, Luke tells her that, it is a, bu- a group of bandits who are raiding the village and regularly come to attack the villagers. And after she runs off to save them, she realizes that was a lie and that um, she, and that was what started fracturing their relationship to begin with. So Ryan Johnson clarifies that uh, this was actually not the final lesson, or rather, People can interpret it as the final lesson, but it's actually something that will possibly be explored in Star Wars Episode Nine. He was really coy about it. He said that um, the that fans can choose to interpret this as Luke's final lesson, but mainly the lesson is that Rey cannot trust Luke. Uh, So he says that it's a possibility and that there's potential for JJ Abrams to explore what. Luke is trying to teach Rey in uh, when Star Wars Episode Nine comes about. So there's no actual definition of what this final lesson will be, but it's a hint at the future. Hmm.
1: Uh, And speaking of deleted scenes, uh, you know, there's this whole article on some of the deleted scenes that we will get a glimpse at when Star Wars Last Jedi hits Blu-ray and VOD. Uh, Brad wrote it up for the site, but Ben, uh, what do we know about the deleted scenes that we didn't already know from my uh, extensive report in December?
0: Yeah, it seems like there are three that um, that we want to touch on today, and one of them is uh, involving BD-8 playing a hologram for Finn. So one of the scenes that takes place early in The Last Jedi and sort of um, was originally intended to provide a little bit of context for why Finn uh, was deciding to potentially leave the Resistance and go find Rey. And at one point when he has woken up from his injuries and and sort of recovered, BB-8 rolls up next to him and shows him a hologram of the moment uh, at the end of The Force Awakens when Rey gives him, you know, a a touching goodbye as he's lying unconscious in this medical bay. And Ryan Johnson said that he originally thought, he said, uh, I was looking for any opportunity I could to emotionally connect those two. I thought it was a really sweet little scene. I loved John Boyega's performance in it. Ultimately, it was meant to explain his motivation for going to find Ray and quit the Resistance, but we realized that you understood his motivation because he tells it to Rose. So that is, uh, you know, one of those things that just sort of falls away naturally when, when in the editing process. Um, the other one, really briefly, was uh, Luke and Leia having a moment to mourn for Han Solo. We don't really get to see... Luke's reaction to that, uh, to the news that Han has been killed. Um, It's sort of the movie, I I believe, in my memory anyway, it cuts away and we don't really get to see him like sink in and, and really have a moment with that. But apparently there was a scene that was shot where he gets to sit in his stone hut by himself and tears form in his eyes and he remembers his old friend and then the film actually cuts to Leia sitting in a similar position also, you know, sort of re- remembering Han at that time. And that one got cut just for pacing, uh, which happens all the time in, in movies like this. And then the other the last one really quickly was um, the stormtrooper that was played by supposed to be played by Tom Hardy. We've, we knew Tom Hardy was playing a stormtrooper in the movie, but I don't know if anybody had actually pinpointed which one he was yet. Um, Peter, I don't think you haven't seen anything about that, right? You don't know. Of, Any, uh, of
1: which one? I, I thought it was a scene that they were in an elevator with uh, some stormtroopers, but okay. Um, so,
0: so yeah, that's the, the. I guess that's the part that that ended up getting deleted, or maybe uh, a section of it did. So, when Finn and Rose uh, infiltrate the Mega Star Destroyer, and they're they're in disguise as First Order officers, one of the uh, stormtroopers recognizes Finn in an elevator, and apparently gets like really excited that he that he, he recognizes Finn because for Finn used to be a stormtrooper and he is saying how cool it is that his old friend FN2187 ended up graduating to become an officer and so that implies that there's been a cover-up in the First Order and that uh, Ryan Johnson says the implication from the exchange is that this was obviously an embarrassment that this happened with Finn and that the First Order didn't let the info get out as much as they could so they didn't want uh, that information spreading that you know they had a big defector and who, who went on to help the resistance and all of that stuff so they just basically covered up that whole incident um so yeah that that i guess would be where tom hardy's character or tom hardy's stormtrooper showed up in the movie
1: interesting um and we'll get the, a chance to see this soon when when does uh last jedi come out on home video
0: yeah, it comes out on uh, digital download on March 13th, and then it hits Blu-ray and DVD on March 27th.
1: Okay, and our last bit of Star Wars news today, it looks like John Williams is hinting that Episode nine could be his last Star Wars movie. H.C., what do we know?
2: So uh, John Williams has been with the Star Wars film since 1977, and he's composed all the scores for all eight films. But that partnership may soon be over. Uh, in an inter- interview with Classical KUSC, John Williams suggested that after Star Wars Episode Nine, he won't be scoring any more Star Wars films. Uh, I'll quote, We know J.J. J. Abrams is preparing one now that I will hopefully do next year for him. I look forward to it. It'll round out a series of nine. That will be quite enough for me. So he hasn't confirmed anything yet, but it seems like he's ready to uh, retire from the Star Wars films. Uh, not sure if it's retiring from scoring altogether, but it seems like uh, it's uh, something that he is intending for now.
1: Okay. um, You know, th- th- this brings about a question. I think that's probably fitting that he completes uh, these three trilogies. Um, but I guess the question I want to throw to you guys is, um, you know— if they make future Skywalker saga episodes to this uh, series, if you know, if, if some of those dates and those twenty-seven uh, release dates in Disney's future is is episode ten, um, will it be wrong to have a movie that isn't scored by John Williams?
3: Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't want to be too uh, downbeat, but John Williams is—you know—he's not a, a young whippersnapper anymore. So, so one day he will. Shuffle off this mortal coil, and uh, they're 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 going to be making Star Wars films until the sun burns out, it seems. So it just seems sooner or later they're going to have to make a Star Wars film without his music. I mean, it'll never be the same. They'll still use his themes, obviously. like you know, Rogue One wasn't scored by him, but it still borrowed his themes. So uh, that'll always be a part of the franchise, but it's sort of inevitable. I mean, you know, they really do have Star Wars films planned for the foreseeable future, it's just inevitable that John Williams will eventually not be part of them. Okay. I guess the question is, uh, whoever
1: they bring on to these star Wars films, obviously, you know, the standalone star Wars films they're doing, they're getting other composers, as you mentioned with rogue one and solo. Um, but you know, they're able to do what, whatever they want to do, you know, make it sound different. You know, those star Wars films look different and feel different. So, uh, at least that's the goal. um, So I guess, Ben, the question I want to ask you is, uh, you know, will these future Star Wars films, if they keep on doing these episodes, uh, will these composers have to like kind of mimic and channel John Williams? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Because his music
0: is such, uh, you know, an integral part of the fabric of the Skywalker saga, I feel like. Yeah, I think if they if you keep the Skywalker saga alive if you do an episode 10 and beyond and keep that story going, yeah, I think it probably makes sense to um to save the experimentation as it were for these spin-offs or, uh, you know, creating a new sound for Ryan Johnson's trilogy or the series of films that the Game of Thrones guys are working on or some of these other projects and try to keep that more classic John Williams vibe alive in the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I think people, you know, and we've seen other uh, composers come up as proteges under John Williams, Michael Giacchino being one of them. And, and so we know it's possible to capture uh, you know, a semblance of, of the John Williams sound. Um, and I think that's probably what they will keep doing because, like I said, it's it's so ingrained in the type of movie that Star Wars is. And I, I think if they're going to keep the Skywalker franchise going, they should keep that
1: aspect uh, intact as well. H.T., I hate to put you on the, stop, on the spot, but I'm going to. <laughs> what composer would you like to see uh, take the reins from the Star Wars series?
2: Oh... I think I'd like to see Michael Giacchino. Uh, he's worked with Disney frequently, so I think that he could work in that environment. But I also, I really love his scores, and I think he has a really grand, um, epic feel to a lot of them. And I think that could suit Star Wars really well.
1: Yeah. No, uh, Giacchino, I think is definitely, I mean, Brad, uh, I mean, not Brad, I'm uh, sorry, Ben mentioned him, and uh, he, he did Rogue One, right? He took Rogue One on from... Uh yeah I think uh, Desplot.
0: Alexander Desplat yeah
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but I feel like that was a rushed uh effort like he had like a month to do that score or something insane like that I would love to see what Michael G Kino could do if he had the time to spend on a Star Wars score that you know you know given that like effort and uh I feel like you know he's just the perfect guy with the you know he has so much emotion in his uh in his themes but uh mm-hmm. let's move on to uh Another story, and that is that uh, Greta Gerwig is planning three more Sacramento-based movies to follow Lady Bird. Chris, you wrote this up for the site.
3: Because Lady Bird was one part of Sacramento, there's a lot of different parts of Sacramento that I'd like to explore, too. I feel like I have the privilege of being from a place I'm really from from that place. My family didn't move. My family's still there. My friends are still there. I feel like I can actually speak to it with some feeling. So look for three more Greta Gerwig Sacramento films. It's the Greta Gerwig cinematic universe. <laughs> you know, I never
1: thought I wanted to see a movie based in Sacramento. Uh, have any of you actually been to Sacramento? I have not. No. Mm-mm. It It is... In my experiment, my experience is not a great place, but I'm sure it is a great place for the people that live there. But, uh, you know, I never knew I wanted to see a movie set in Sacramento until I saw Lady Bird. And that movie perfectly captures that area uh, of, uh, you know, California. I don't know. I'm just not sure if there is that many stories to be told in that 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 corner of this 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 country, but maybe there are. Uh, I mean, Greta Gerwig uh, knows better than me, obviously.
2: Uh, I don't know. I look forward to the Sacramento Criterion Collection from Greta Gerwig <laughs> in the future. Oh, I'm I'm looking
1: forward to it. after Lady Bird. I'll I'll you know it doesn't matter if like Greta Gerwig's next film is marketed as watching paint dry for two hours. I'm there. I'm there opening weekend. I'm buying a ticket. Not not using my movie pass. Um, so she has me, but uh but I, I just didn't know that I wanted to see a trilogy of t- Sacramento movies, but I guess I do. <laughs> um also, Chris, you covered uh some Stranger Things 3 casting. Um we have a uh a legacy uh bit of casting
3: here. What do we know? Yeah, so uh, Maya Thurman-Hawk, who is the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, has been cast in uh, Stranger Things 3. I guess that's what they'll officially call it since Stranger Things Season 2 was Stranger Things 2. Um, She is playing a quote-unquote alternative girl bored with her mundane day job. She seeks excitement in her life and gets more than she bargained for when she uncovers a dark secret in Hawkins, which is the town the, the show is set in. And uh, also Priya Ferguson, who played uh, Lucas's sister in season two, and she was literally the best character of that whole season, is also coming back for a more expanded role.
1: Hmm. Uh, do we know anything about these characters other than
3: what you just told us? Uh, well, you know, we already know we've already met Lucas's sister, obviously, in the first season. But beyond that little blurb I just told you about uh, Maya Thurman Hawk's
1: character, we don't really know that
3: much. Interesting.
1: Um, if you go to the story, uh, I believe we've included that photo of her. She looks remarkably like her mother.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Lastly, you know, I gave us some time so we could talk about this because I think this is very interesting. You know, since starting this podcast, we've been talking a lot about movie pass. You know, they, they uh, basically lowered their price to nine ninety nine. You can see a movie a day with their service at participating theaters. Uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, how that company plans to make money off analytics and or th- that's what they were claiming uh you know trying to uh, now we got some reports that uh moviepass was not allowing subscribers in some markets to buy tickets to red sparrow uh and actually black panther uh, i have since learned black panther last week it was it was banned in some markets uh ht uh we we contacted moviepass what did we learn what is what is going on here
2: So according to a statement from MoviePass, um, the subscription service is testing its service to optimize the experience for theaters, distributors, and members. The rest of the statement goes, we occasionally remove some films from our ticketing inventory in some markets for a limited time. Similar to how we organically promote films in certain markets to better understand member behavior, as part of this ongoing testing, we have stepped up our efforts to remind members to always double-check the MoviePass app to confirm that the preferred show times and theaters are available for the movie that they are planning to see before they leave the theater. So essentially, it's what we see now is that um, uh, several members of or so, several subscribers to MoviePass are. Um, not being able to see Red Sparrow in select markets uh, because the screening is not supported by MoviePass uh, as it says on their app. And um, it seems to be limited to select markets. We're not sure which markets they are exactly, um, but it's seems to be Red Sparrow particularly because MoviePass is currently promoting Death Wish through their subscriber emails and, um, we're going to go a little bit into speculation here, but uh, this seems to be some sort of uh, strategy for MoviePass to uh, boost the box office gains of of the movies that they're uh, sponsored with or promoting with, such as uh, Death Wish this, this week. And um, it may be some sort of tactic to get studios to sponsor or to partner with them more often. Uh, It's something that we've seen happen before with uh, MoviePass, uh, removing some of their um, AMC theaters from their app as an attempt to sort of negotiate with AMC to get higher uh, revenue from their concessions. So this is something that's we're not really sure why they're doing it. And The, it doesn't, the statement is, does not seem to be quite um, clear with the reasoning, except that they're testing things. Uh, but it seems to be a negotiating tactic using the, the subscriptions uh, base. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it seems to be in select markets. I know LA is one of the markets being hit with Red Sparrow. I can't see Red Sparrow. Uh, with my movie pass. I know our own Brad Oman got to see it last night in Indiana. I had no problem. Um, so it depends on your market. Uh, but I think this is interesting, and I want to talk about this with you guys because uh, this is potentially how MoviePass is going to make their money. Do you know what I mean? like uh, Most of the industry thought of them as a, uh, it's an unprofitable business at $9.99 a month unlimited movies, um, but it seems like if they can find a way to make the money from the studios by getting studios to sponsor what films are in the app... Then, then that's how they're going to make their money. Like, uh, but at what cost? Like, or um, you know, I theorized HD. I was talking to HD in, in messenger, and I was like, you know, could there be a day when you can't see an opening weekend movie in the theater unless it's a sponsored movie MoviePass movie?
2: It's very underhanded. It seems, <laughs> but yeah, their business model isn't that sustainable so i wonder if the only way that they can really gain money or gain like substantial income is through sort of strong arming uh, companies or studios through their by using their subscription base as a negotiating tool
3: chris is this wrong
2: i mean wrong
3: is a subjective term i guess like uh, from a consumer standpoint it does kind of, it is very sneaky from movie moviepass standpoint it's kind of genius i mean they they've pretty much if they are definitely doing this they've they have found a really good angle to exploit but i mean i'm not a movie pass user so i can't it doesn't really affect me but if i did use MoviePass, i would definitely be a little uh ticked off about this
1: um ben what are your thoughts on this
0: uh, I mean, it's weird because the CEO of MoviePass has said before that their goal is to get to break even with the subscription and the cost of goods. So it, it seems like they're, you know, they're on this track. And like you mentioned earlier, Peter, they eventually they'll probably start selling customer data and analytics and make some money that way, but they have to build up their user base even more. I mean, I think they're sitting at like over 1.5 million uh, subscribers right now, but it seems like they're waiting until they get an even bigger number of subscribers before they start uh, pushing that side of the the business tactic. Um, so if right now the CEO is just saying that they're just trying to get to break even and, and that's their goal at the moment. So I, I mean, yes, I think all of this is pretty clearly a ploy on their part to uh, to send a message that, yeah, if you want your movie available on our app, go ahead and sponsor, uh, you know, work with us, uh, pay us to to send out these emails and uh, drop ads on our app and all that stuff. Um, And it's probably going to work because MoviePass has had a pretty uh, measurable, significant impact on. Uh, movie ticket sales we've written about that and talked about that on the on the podcast before as well so um i i don't see that you know this seems like a pretty smart business move even if it is yeah a little underhanded on their part
1: yeah to some smaller films they've released statistics of being like 20 percent of that weekend's box office uh, uh you know to MoviePass uh, subscribers uh so I'm interested to see if this is going to affect uh, Red Sparrow in any way. I mean, obviously, the reviews for Red Sparrow were not positive. So, you know, that movie is <laughs> and it, and, obvi- and they're also not doing this nationwide. So I'm not sure how you could track down the data. I mean, I'm sure they have the data of like, you know, the L.A. market and how much of an impact they probably had on the L.A. screenings of Red Sparrow versus Death, um, death, sentence, death Note. Sorry, Death uh, Wish, Death Wish. Death Wish. There's so many death movies. Death Wish. Um, Yes. So uh, I don't know. It just it just seems kind of like for an for a service that is supposed to be promoting going to the movie theater, going to see movies you want to see uh, when you want to see them. It it just seems like an anti-consumer move. And, uh, you know, the apps also like integrating this, this feature where you're going to have to like take a photo of like for, some users have gotten this, uh, test where they have to take a photo of their, their movie ticket after they see the movie and send it to movie pass to prove that they actually saw the movie. Um, it's it just, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, they're burning through the money <laughs> and they're, they're, they're trying to find some way to get to that break even point that you mentioned, Ben. Uh, but it, I'm just I'm just not sure this is the way, but maybe it is. Uh, maybe this will not piss off uh, their subscribers. I mean, th- so far we have this company which is kind of um, a crappy company. Like they don't respond to customer service attempts. You know, I know I have so many friends that have tried to contact them get get them to like answer a question. You know, it month goes by before they get a response. Um, th- but the product is such a deal that everybody's willing to do a deal with the devil to get it. Do you know what I mean like free free movies, unlimited, you know, see one every day for a month, such a great deal. You know, I don't care if I'm doing it with this company. That's obviously not uh, doing things with my interest in mind. Um, but, uh, how it's, what does this company need to do, uh, to piss off their core user base? HD, do you have any idea?
2: Uh, due to to piss off their core user base, or due to not piss off? Yeah, like the- how much
1: how, mu- how much pushback can they give consumers before you know these people paying nine ninety nine a month are like, oh, this isn't worth it?
2: Yeah, you're. I'm actually I'm in the same boat because I am a MoviePass subscriber, and even though I am pretty angry at them right now, I know I will not unsubscribe. I'll just keep using it. I guess until it becomes too expensive. I think right now the price point is the big selling point. If they raise it up anymore, um, then that that's when they might start getting pushback because for now, people are just willing to go see a movie at whichever theater is available, or maybe they'll push back. They'll hold off seeing a movie until the next weekend because you know, they're not, these things are not urgent um, deal breakers, but I think it's the price that's a deal breaker. That's, my theory anyways
1: yeah now i could definitely see a day in age when when as i mentioned before you know that you will only get to see a movie with movie pass an opening weekend if it's a sponsored movie um you know th- they could prove to movie theater chains like amc that they are bringing their subscribers in if they're you know boosting up the box office of of their theaters in the second and third week of release which is you know usually a lot less than that first weekend um but we'll have to keep an eye on this and uh, see how it does. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure this isn't going to be enough to, you know, it's not going to be enough for me to cancel my subscription. I, If I use my Movie Pass once a month, it's good enough for me because a movie ticket in L.A. is like $15. So if I'm paying nine dollars 99 I'm, I'm already saving five bucks with one movie ticket. So that's, that's good enough for me. But, um, okay, this brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. HT, where can we find more of your work online?
2: You can find me every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at htranbui.
1: Ben, where can we find you? You can find me at SlashFilm.com as well, and you can track me down on Twitter at BenPairs. Chris, where can we find your work online?
3: Also SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at CEvangelista413. You can find the links to
1: every story we talked about today, including The Water Cooler, on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, now on Spotify. I don't use Spotify, but if you're using Spotify, I guess you can listen to us on there as well. If you have a question, comment, concern, uh, send it to us, peter at SlashFilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mentioned the email on the air. Please go rate and review this podcast in iTunes. Spread the word, tell your friends, and we will see you on Monday.